Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age podcast. This is C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I'm speaking to you from balmy, uh, slightly rainy Southern <laughs> California. I say that because I know my two co-hosts are in much different uh, circumstances. So, Yeah, uh, I'm speaking to you from the Bronx. My name is Seth Rodney, and it's cold like you read about around these parts. Um, it's technically, I'm looking at my phone, it's three degrees, but... Um, I haven't even ventured outside because, frankly, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Stephen G. Fullwood. I'm coming to you from Harlem. It's basically the same weather it is in the Bronx. And I resent those people in California, in Houston, <laughs> and everywhere around the world who are going, oh, it's, I'm just going outside with a little light jacket on right now. <laughs> fine. Absolutely fine. I know what I chose. I chose North. Um, and <laughs> I'm fine with it. And it is cold outside, but it's a dry cold. So it's not so terrifying. So you should be fine, Seth. Yeah. Mm, all right. Cool. Yeah, you say that, except when it's like 50 here, people go out in parkas. So it's, not, <laughs> no. it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird thing. Um, so this is to remind our listeners that we practice uh, what we call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the time and space and patience to work things out out loud together. Um, this is our last uh, podcast on pornography. Uh, we've, we feel like we've covered some ground. Um, last week we did a recap, uh, which I will spare you... Uh, today. So listen to the last podcast if you, if you want to hear a recap of what we talked about so far. Uh, you know, and, and the topic we're bringing up today, I almost wish we had kind of flipped the order and put it earlier because I feel like we probably would have uh, um, had some uh, some useful uh, places to go with it. But it, it will dovetail into our next topic, uh, which I'll bring up at the end of the podcast. So today we're talking about pornography and race. Mm. Um, and uh, we we asked one another to think about race broadly as the other uh, mm. in general, but also specifically in an American Western context, race and, and racism. Yeah. Um, so that's the topic today. Uh, Stephen or Seth, do you guys want to lead us into it and, and sort of see what we figure out together? Uh, I can venture to say something about that. Um, cool. I remember having a conversation with the person who introduced us, Travis, um, Fareed mm. Matuk. Mm -hmm. Fareed is a poet. Um, he's one of the most rigorously thoughtful people I know. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the most rigorously thoughtful people I've ever met, in fact. And he said some, we were having a conversation around pornography years ago, and he said something about how there's a kind of, not market exactly, but there's a kind of valuation assigned to people who are essentially not white mm. um, in that realm that is a kind of engine for libidinous desire. So in other words, pornography sets up the scene so that the black man or the Asian woman or whoever, whoever's not white, becomes this kind of fetishized object because of their difference, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a way in which pornography really reinforces some of our worst impulses. And when I say our, I mean our culture here in the mm -hmm. U.S. Some of our worst mm -hmm. impulses under the guise of merely uh, satisfying a kind of curious urge mm -hmm. that ends up being kind of shunted into sexual desire. I'm saying all that to say, you know, it looks desirable to have the, the 
uh, Asian woman um, with the black man, and then and I look at um, pornography like that, and I and I I get it, and like it works on me, like it it's it's mm-hmm. uh, it, uh, the person mm-hmm. who I see as exotic is even more exoticized in that format, mm-hmm. and yet at the same time I'm 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 able to step outside of myself and say, well, you know, on some very basic level. This mm-hmm. is not good. Mm-hmm. So, okay, you said so much um, in that. Mm. And so what, I don't know if it's good or bad, but I think it's where desire, I mentioned this before, I think in one of the past podcasts, that it's one of the few places where desire is just unfettered. But mm. It's whose desire. Mm. And I don't want to constantly like center whiteness as the place where things are being acted out because I feel right. like they're right. not simply... Um, objects, people of color, or of the other, so to speak, mm-hmm. the way we're, we're doing it. I feel like people go in and they reinforce things, but they also learn. So mm-hmm. it's both an art form, but it's also mirroring what we do in our society. Mm-hmm. You know, I love this title <laughs> of this one um, one pornography. It, it just makes me crack up every time I see it. It's like, oh no, there's a Negro in my wife. <laughs> and, <laughs> and in 2007 was the first one. And right. in 2010, right. there was the fifth one. So clearly there's a market for Negroes and white, yeah. and white wives. Um, yeah. But it tells us something, and it's, there's a lot of humor sometimes in porn that I yes. think gets overlooked. But right. that it's, I remember the first time I actually saw one, I was walking through um, Times Square, and I went into a porno store with some friends, and I'm looking at it, and I said, mm-hmm. wow, this is just some of the best humor I've seen in a while. Mm-hmm. Because it's, a, it's somebody knew that it'd be catchy. Right. But it, but it, it, it catch, it captures our imagination in an interesting way, mm. and so for for me, pornography is a place. I mentioned this before in other ways as well. That it's a place of learning. It's mm. not simply a place to get off. Mm. And what about the other who also finds him or her or themselves in that place, but are okay with that? Right. Mm. Right. So that's so, great. That is actually great. And I, and I know you so, want to jump in, Travis. But I just wanted yeah, yeah, yeah. to. Um, Jump in, Travis. To uh, actually, I want to give this quick anecdote, anecdote, if I may, because this kind of put is where the rubber meets the road for me. Because I've been sort of, I've been that person that's been desired. Like, so they've cut, so they've come out of the porno uh, uh, realm and into into the real world. What happened was when mm-hmm. I was live, working, living in in LA and working at Hugo Boss, that big gallery, um, gal- galleria. What was it called? Beverly Center. And I was a salesperson on the floor. We so sold suits and all kinds of overpriced bullshit all day long. <laughs> I wore a suit to work most of the time. Uh, I look good in a suit. So I, mm-hmm. I, 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 this, I'm sure, feeds into what happened. I'm on the floor one day. Older guy, must have been in his late 50s, comes up to me. He's kind of nebbishy looking, curly hair, hands me an envelope. And he says, you know, my wife's been noticing you and uh, we're interested in you know, chatting with you. <gasps> and, and, uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> I instinctively reached for the envelope, put it in my jacket pocket without opening it. Went home, opened it. And of course, there were pictures of his wife. In um, lingerie, half nude mm-hmm. or almost um, naked, and the offer was for dinner. Um, would you like to have dinner with us, la la? 
And uh, I gotta, I gotta improve my dinner invitations. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was curious, so I, I went to dinner with them, and I, and I listened to. They were not very interesting. I didn't think the wife was very interesting. <laughs> and to be honest with you, I don't know if I would have gone through with it if she was more attractive to me. Or if mm-hmm. they were more interesting to me, but I didn't mm-hmm. do anything. I was just like, I had dinner. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, I'm done. And mm-hmm. that was that. Uh, but it, you know, it it happens is the essential point of that story. Go ahead, Charlie. So, so, no, no, no. It's fine. No, I, I appreciate the story. It's probably the best part of the podcast. It's going to be better than my, than my analysis at this point. Um, it, when you were both going through that, it, it recalled to me something, a, a thread of the conversation we had a few podcasts ago that I lost, and you had actually specifically asked me about it, Seth, and I couldn't quite bring it back. Mm. And, and I now remember what it was, mm. which is that in pornography, at least as it is currently imagined on celluloid or what the digital version of celluloid, the set piece is the story. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the backdrop. Mm-hmm. In analogous to the backdrop uh, that would happen on a normal movie set, mm-hmm. which is that it is supposed to represent reality, uh, but it's really it really is supposed to disappear into the background to get you to the main part of the story. Which right. in a movie is, of course, the narrative. In most movies, it's the narrative, and in the in pornography, it's the fucking. Right. right. The the story right. is the set piece. It's mm-hmm. the it's the backdrop for for the real reason that people are there, which is which is the fucking of a variety of kinds. And and that that set piece is semiotic in in that it, it is it is it is the naked mimetic pieces of the culture that set up the scenario for fucking that titillate mm. that provoke mm-hmm. that motivate us mm-hmm. and so you do get you and this is sort of ties into our earlier discussion about education where so there is all kinds of instruction about the culture going on uh-huh. Um, or, or being copied in pornography. So, you know, there's a black man in my wife or whatever the title of the, the pornography Negro. Was. Oh, Negro no, there's a, Negro there's, an, there's a Negro, there's <laughs> oh, a Negro, no, there's a Negro in my wife. Right. Which I love <laughs> Negro versus Clear, black, exactly. all of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... Clearly, my liberal training kept uh-huh. kicked, kicked in, in, and I and I swapped out the <laughs> like. I just, believe God. they are called American American. Uh, that's, right. no. that's right. That's right. Yeah, sir. So, uh, so you know, the, in in that way, it it reveals a great deal about mm. the the shorthand cultural stories that we use, mm. um, mm-hmm. and so you can read. And one of the reasons that's probably as funny as you as you point out, Stephen, is because. It so accurately and succinctly captures mm-hmm. the absurdity of these narratives that we have. Absolutely. The absurdity of black dicks and white women. And mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, the absurdity of Asian fat, like all of it. Right. It's mm-hmm. all just so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as many things are about culture and that mm-hmm. we value and that we elevate. That have currency. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Currency mm-hmm. is a great, very perfect word for it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Because, Absolutely. I mean, the amount of currency that is involved in the porn industry. Oh, um, so, you know, so race, to, to bring it back to something concrete and then and let you guys take it, is so 
race works on all of these levels in the porn industry. So I was just reading in, in preparation for the podcast this morning that the um, the overwhelm for in mainstream pornography, the overwhelming preference for white women. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's there is there's a very big market for non-white women and whatnot, but the 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 the, the star, right, the central star of mm-hmm. Pornography is the white woman and her body and what is being done with that body, how that body is being – oh, mm-hmm. go ahead. Jump in, Stephen. Oh, no. That, that what was is it. Being I was just going to say. And blonde hair. So we're talking about a package mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so I love that, that you set it up. I, I might have wa- read the same thing you did in The Independent. Was that the article you read? Maybe, yeah. That was certainly on uh, on the list of things that I read. And mm-hmm. so it's 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 a class thing. It's a power thing. It's demonstrably mm-hmm. very interesting about who – is desirable, but so little, um, I would say just mass thinking about it isn't about what she represents. It's just that thing. It's just the, it's even like, you know, it goes into other areas about people, non-black people, non-whites, you know, um, dyeing their hair or trying to assume or to have looks that look like a typical Pam Anderson blonde, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, I think it's very, it's interesting how that blonde came up and sort of like dominated porn Mm -hmm. for like the longest. The longest and still today, that's, you know, that's what people are looking for. Some people anyway. But it says something about our desires. And I really, um, I like thinking about it. In gay porn, is race as uh, marginalized as a, as kind of, as an industry or as I a knew. sub-industry of the industry? I think it's roughly about the same. It's a white male, though, obviously. I don't know if sure, he's of course. necessarily right, right, right. blonde, but he's because of, you know, sort of mass marketed gay idea. So he's a mm. certain size, he's a white male, like mm. and he's he could be blonde or or brunette or sometimes mm. the ginger shows up, but it's mm. the idea I think analogous to the white female, I think it's um heterosexual desire is power. It's the idea of power. However, mm. there because there's mass produced porn and then there's the amateur porn and then there are all these different things in between it that there are all these other desires that play themselves out that don't resemble either one of them, that mm-hmm. don't even include, you know, the white presence in that way. So I like the idea of democratic porn or less centralized porn mm-hmm. that people are producing their own fantasies. So I see it more now right. that I think we're in that right. age right now, which is mm-hmm. really powerful right. moment, really, to right. kind of mm-hmm. see the absence of that or just mm-hmm. more diversity in porn. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I wonder whether <clears throat> I wonder whether Part of the reason that blonde women are so robustly desired in the Mm -hmm. porn industry is the relatively simple uh, circumstance of their rarity in the human uh, uh, Mm. diorama. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, blonde blondes are statistically Mm -hmm. uh, okay a a much smaller part part of the world population than i don't know than any other like uh, uh, sort of sort of uh, what what's the way to say this um ethnic group that presents in a really obvious way mm-hmm. okay okay you know I, maybe i i'm open to, i wonder if it's uh, i mean kind of going off of that is Again, it's this sort of glamour of whiteness. I mean, that's mm. as white as white, right? I mean, I mean, mm. other than albinism, you know, uh, a, a milky mm-hmm. woman with mm-hmm. with platinum blonde hair is mm-hmm. about as white as you can get, mm-hmm. and you know, it's like, and still, like I said, white, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, and not you know not fall into abnormality like with right. albinism. So, um, and I remember that, speaking of that, that reminds me of one of the things that Orange Twitler said, which was when he called those African countries shitholes. Remember, he said, I in the, sure. it's almost in the same breath. Of why can't we get more people from like was he Norway, Sweden, that kind of thing, <laughs> Scan- said, some Scandinavian countries, right, right? And he was probably looking at Kristen Nielsen when he when he said that. Yeah. Um, so there's a way in which, there's a way in which, yeah, I mean, rarity, yeah, there's a, I, so maybe they're combined, right? So it's about rarity, it's about the, the power, it's about that kind of uh, purity of whiteness mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that people are trying to get at. Yeah, yeah, there's something that hooks my sensibilities about being told over and again that this is the ideal. You know, <laughs> um, when but when you start to talk to people individually, you know, about their desires, you know, they have, uh, you know, may have a cornucopia of desires, but this mm-hmm. is a thing that's constantly sort of in our face. Mm-hmm. And so there's a friend of mine um, and, you know, I'm Sean Bimpong. Mm-hmm. And he said one day he was watching a show and it was like, you know, a series or whatever. And the series. So there there's someone in an airplane doing loop de loops and there are two men on the ground and they go, hey, I wonder who that guy is. And Sean goes immediately. They're setting it up because it's a woman, of course. But if she lands that plane and takes off her helmet and there's a bunch of, you know, blonde hair, she whips it around or whatever. He says, I'll never watch it again. <laughs> and the reason why he said it was because he was because he felt like it's this is what. They do over and over again that certain shows just kind of like prop up this one person. And, and he goes, this this isn't good for women necessarily. It's not really mm-hmm. even good for to show this is the fake diversity, right? Mm-hmm. But she comes out as an object of desire that you see over and over and over again in series. Mm-hmm. And of course, Sean never watched it again, of course. Mm-hmm. And we talk mm-hmm. about when we watch these series and we watch how certain tropes are over and over again kind of played in our faces. What do you do about them? And I think that's a part of the... Um, the orientation or the desensitization around diversity or around mm-hmm. different kinds of types of people that mm-hmm. could be in shows, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that I just need to put white actors in the King of Egypt or whatever it was called, that movie. Right. right. And it's like, because who's going to go see, you know, Ahmad or this guy? No, they want to go see these people. Mm-hmm. I'm glad the movie flopped because right. Right. of that. But also it's that idea. I think it does feed into our ideas about what we think is um, um, legislatively proper to desire mm-hmm. and so i want to like refine that language later but i know that's the neighborhood i want to be in yeah 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 yeah, yeah no, I, buy, I buy that in one of the you know in the, in the non-pornographic realm but how how those things interconnect or mm-hmm. reflect one another one of the batman movies one of the early batman movies uh that kim uh Bassinger was in right. one or two right. has this uh, pretty iconic image at the time of Kim Bassinger all in white. So she's blonde, of course, all white mm-hmm. in bed in a white bed, white sheets. Maybe uh-huh. she's dreaming and the window and the doors, the glass doors to her room open and there's the Batman all in black, you know, yes. in shadow. Oh, yeah. And I mean, clearly this is evocative mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. a kind of foreboding mm-hmm. racialized desire and, you know, plugs into a variety of other things around white narratives, what light and dark and all this kind of stuff. Um, but again, sort of how these two, you know, how pornography and, and you know, sort of mainstream culture mirror one another and communicate with one oh, another yeah. and, uh-huh. and create, you know, 
know, this is the dinner invitation for you, Seth. I mean, this is the like <laughs> you're you're there at the door. I mean, that's that <laughs> is what cap. That's what that desire is. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't have an elegant segue. Well, no, I like, mm-hmm. what, well, it makes me think. Sorry, Stephen. You go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. I apologize. Oh no, no, apologize. You go right ahead because I have something I'm still working on. Well, <laughs> it made me to think what Travis of. Just said. <clears throat> Uh, I'm 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 thinking about um, how in that scenario in the Batman film, what then gets to comfort the white audience, right? Who to tiptoe up to that line of re of re understanding that um, their desire is for something verboten. What what saves them, right, is that when Batman on masks, he's white. So they're like, oh, mm-hmm. so you can take mm-hmm. everybody in this theater kind of goes, oh, oh <laughs> right, wow, right, 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 close, right. close call there. We almost, <laughs> right. Uh, right. almost, right. Tripped, <laughs> almost tripped over <laughs> own messes. Um, and then it makes me think of uh, there was this other film, and I'm, and I, I think I may have just lost it. There was something about Batman, Kim Basinger, and. <laughs> Blondness and whiteness. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I've lost. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. It'll Hopefully, come it'll come back to you. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, it'll come back to you. So, what I what I was tapping into, Travis, was this idea of the the regular world and then pornography, and mm-hmm. you know how sometimes these things intersect or kind of reflect one another in some way. And the mm-hmm. person who popped up in my mind was Vanessa Williams, mm-hmm. who because of the penthouse photographs that was, was you know. Her, she, they snatched her crown or whatever and boohoo for one minute. She boohoo for one minute and then used the image in her first mm-hmm. video where she was that, the hot stuff, right? The right mm-hmm. stuff and she's wearing a mm-hmm. red dress. Well, by the time her second album comes along, she has a song called Save the Best for Last. And she's in a white sweater and she's drinking international coffee. And <laughs> like she's like there's this interesting sort of re, she has an interesting racialization yes. space in terms of yes. how her career worked. Right. You know, and how she used it. And so she waited for that day that the Miss America contest would come back and say, hey, would you like to um, host a show or whatever? Mm-hmm. And first she said no. And then years later she goes, yes. But how she used a very light pornogra- pornographic situation to her benefit. Mm-hmm. And she, yeah. and remarkably no one, I mean, people remember it, but like with the successful generation, people don't. Oh, just Vanessa mm. Williams. They don't know mm. about the penthouse photos. That could have sunk her, but she's the most famous Miss America and the most successful Miss America ever. Mm. Mm. So that was the thing. Thank you for jogging my memory. That was the thing that I wanted to say was that I don't know if people would have been as freaked out if the breast that was exposed in Justin Timberlake's dance with um, with Janet Jackson were mm. not a black breast. Like I, I honestly don't know. I mean, I think mm. that was a moment when... I mean, is it is it just about the fem- the uh, female body and uh, or is there something in, else in there? America? Maybe I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm mm. just saying I don't. We I are don't know. So, I don't know. Like I, we are speculating. So wound up mm. in America around mm. bodies that mm. I don't know. Maybe I think you're being kind. I think it's schizophrenic. I think it's insanity, really, because we're talking yeah. about tot- toddlers or in tiaras. And these little girls dressed yeah. up like women. And then we're giving them conflicting messages around what sex is and sexuality yeah. is. And yeah. then we're like, oh, well, you can't have sex until you're this time because then you're not a proper woman. All these dumb and conflicting messages and, that we give the, to kids. 
Right, and then know? we take older women and we make them juveniles. Like we put them in these little baby doll dresses and and kick them out in certain ways to like with the with the you know the the <clears throat> the you know Catholic school uh, girl skirt that kind right. of thing. So there's there's a you're right. There's a kind of schizophrenia mm-hmm. around race, and I think I mean one of the ways to think about this is that these are. Um, and this is a, this is a really simplistic analogy, but it might work for us. <clears throat> mm-hmm. There's a way in which these are lenses through which to understand our own culture and where we end up in that kind mm-hmm. of cultural schema. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely, pornography is a way to understand ourselves, how we are seen, how we are valued, how how much we have currency um, mm-hmm. as a body, as a viewer, as a participant, and. Uh, and this is great because I think we've kind of really tripped over into the next uh, long conversation we need to have, which is race. And race is ra- white supremacy, really, is mm-hmm. a w- lens through which to understand our culture and our place in it. And mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to talking about that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, so I'm, I'm, that's the final word as far as I'm concerned. I'm, I'm happy to let Seth have the final word. Stephen, if you have something, I'm definitely jumping in. Very briefly, James Baldwin wrote a, um, an essay called Here Be Dragons, and mm. he's talking mm. about male masculinity, American masculinity mm. specifically. Mm. And there's a moment in the essay where he says that he feels like the faggot is a body where men can act out a fantasy on it without taking responsibility for that fantasy. Mm. And I feel like that that's what pornography is for me at times. Wow. Nice. Wow. Okay. okay. Right. I, that, I'm not adding nothing to those two. Those are both very <laughs> insightful comments. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, so everyone, if you're listening, send good thoughts to Seth because he's going to, to try and apply for an apartment in New York, which I'm sure if you know is very, if you know New York is uh, a challenge. So, <laughs> um, yeah. uh, so yeah. good luck with that. And uh, Stephen luck. and Seth, thanks very much for the conversation today. Indeed. Thank so. you guys. Great. Talk soon. Talk soon. Bye. Bye.